What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-hosts, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host producer extraordinaire Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show wherever you're listening to us. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we discuss the blockbuster deal, sending James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving's absence from the team as well. We'll also talk about the major headlines going into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. All this and more on episode 177 of the TSK Show, coming up right now. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 177 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pachalki. What's up, TP? How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. I think you, you jinxed the Seahawks, and that's put me in a pretty bad mood. But <laughs> outside of that, I'm straight. I was going to wait until uh, we got to football, but I'll just say it right now. It was all reverse psychology, baby. All reverse psychology. Uh, that's all right. You you uh, you picked wrong. You know, you didn't pick them to win. So <laughs> I don't feel like you can feel good about your home team winning when you pick them to lose. Yeah. Um, sitting across from me on the board, our co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Jacob, how are you, man? I'm good. But just as a record, though, Last week, you did say that the Seahawks were going to win. I know. I know. Yeah. I Listen, like I said, you it said, was all you know part what, of my plan. You said, hey, I'm giving you guys the win. Reverse reverse psychology should not war, should not be awarded when it comes to home teams. I mean, you're the home team guy, man. I know, but let's just say I, I left Earth for I, a little I bit. It. I get it, though. I get it, though. You want it on record that you roll with the Seahawks <laughs> when it comes to playoff time because – you know what it, what we're about. Listen, you know you know I got a soft soft spot in my heart for the Pacific Northwest and for the Hawks aside from Pete Carroll uh, because I hate Pete Carroll because <laughs> of USC. Um, but yes, I've rooted for the Seahawks plenty of times uh, in in games with you guys uh, yeah. watching. So uh, it's it's uh, no secret. Uh, no, no, you're no stranger to to riding with us. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just glad. I'm just glad you, you know, you picked us in the the most important time of the year. <laughs> Listen, let's you just say this. I'm. This is probably the one and only time I'll be happy to be wrong. You don't get to be happy. <laughs> hey, listen, we're in the divisional round, so I'm I'm happy. the The Rams are moving Unbelievable. on. Unbelievable. <laughs> but we'll we'll get to the NFL uh, later on in the show. Uh, but before we discuss the trade sending James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, I got to let you know that this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by J Diamond Estates, 
for all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539, or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 020-68311. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Three seconds at midcourt. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? So, off the rip real quick, the Lakers just beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 128-99. to They are the first team in the NBA to secure 10 wins on the young season. They have the best record in the NBA at 10-3. and uh, But before this game against the Thunder, they had a two-game set against the Houston Rockets in Houston, and they beat Houston 120-102 to in the first game. 117 to 100 in the second game and then obviously we all know what happened last year in the bubble in the playoffs with the Lakers beating the Houston Rockets in five games we all remember the great uh, block that Alex Caruso had on James Harden the nice chase down pin block Uh, and that to me and a lot of Lakers Twitter at least that was uh, one of the signifiers of the end of the James Harden era in Houston uh, because later on in the offseason, he had made it public that he wanted out of Houston. He was requesting a trade, yada, yada, yada. And there's been all this turmoil and drama surrounding James Harden with the Houston Rockets uh, basically since then. And it's been a continuous saga of James Harden wants out, and Houston, they weren't going to budge. They ended up trading Russell Westbrook in the offseason, and they said they were going to keep James Harden as long as they could. They had no intentions of trading him. And then last night, after the Lakers beat the Houston Rockets 117-100, to frustrations kind of boiled over, and James Harden had some words and also some some of his teammates, uh, namely John Wall and Boogie Cousins, had some words in response to James Harden. So uh, we, we kind of have a mashup of all of uh, their comments. So, Jacob, why don't you hit that? We're just not good enough. Um, you know, we just we don't, we don't uh, obviously, chemistry, talent-wise, just everything. And it was clear, um, like I said, these last few games. Um, and just you know, from, from the beginning of the game, it was just aggressive. Uh, vet, veteran team, obviously, uh, championship team, and um, you know one of the best teams that we have in this league. Um, you know, I love this city. Um, I literally, you know, done everything that I can. Um, you know, I mean, this situation is, is, is crazy. You know, it's something that uh, I don't think can be fixed. So, we want to compete at a high level, and any day, a lot of guys here is want to compete at a high level. And uh, like I told everybody tonight, I told the guys before, 
when the one through 15 guys all on the same page, they commit, they know their role, they know what they want to do, they know what they want to get out of this, and that's the win, you all will be fine. But when you have certain guys in the mix that don't want to buy in all this one, it's going to be hard to do anything special, do anything good as a basketball team. I've been on those teams. In my 11 years been in the league, I've been on a team like that my first five years where it was all about me, 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 not about the team. And that hurts. And it brings everybody down. So when we can get all on the same page, we can be something good here. And uh, we can't dwell down on it because it's only been nine games. Like, come on, man. You want to jump off the cliff off of nine games? There's a lot of basketball still be played. But me personally, I don't feel betrayed at all. Um, my interest is playing with John Wall, to be brutally honest. And uh, with that being said, um, the disrespect started way before, you know, any interview. Um, just the approach to training camp, uh, showing up the way he did, uh, the antics off the court, I mean, the disrespect started way before. So uh, this isn't something that, you know, all of a sudden happened, you know, last night. But with that being said, like I said, this is the nasty part of the business. So uh, it is what it is. So as you just heard, clearly things in Houston had reached a boiling point, and clearly they had boiled over. Uh, James Harden had some very strong words. John Wall had some strong words. Boogie Cousins had some also very strong words, and Point Blank said that his goal really is just to play with John Wall. He could essentially care less if James Harden is there or not. And so all of that happened last night after the Laker game. And then earlier today, um, it was reported that Houston Rocket, the Houston Rockets were going to keep James Harden away from the team until a trade was completed. So that was in the morning. A few hours later, rumors start coming out that it's down to Brooklyn and Philadelphia as the finalists for a trade for James Harden. Uh, Philadelphia was offering a package, uh, something of Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, a couple draft picks. I think maybe even Matisse Thybul, uh was in talks or thrown in there potentially. But ultimately, Houston decided to go with Brooklyn and Brooklyn's package. Now, the f- first reports were James Harden going to Brooklyn for uh, a big package. Then the details started trickling in, and when the details started trickling in, things started getting crazy. So I I will spare you all the details and just get to the final result. So the deal that sends James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets is a four-team deal. We got James Harden and a second-round pick going to Brooklyn. We got the Cleveland Cavaliers receiving Jared Allen and Torian Prince from the Brooklyn Nets. We have the Indiana Pacers getting Karis LeVert from the Brooklyn Nets and then a second-round pick. Houston, in return for James Harden, receives Victor Oladipo from the Indiana Pacers, Dante Exum from the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers, and... Rodion's Karuks from the Brooklyn Nets, four first-round picks and four pick swaps uh, that are from Brooklyn. So that is how the deal shakes out. So now we got James Harden reuniting 
with his former teammate from Oklahoma City, Kevin Durant, and then also point guard, all-star, NBA champion, Kyrie Irving. But Kyrie Irving is AWOL right now. He is not with the Brooklyn Nets. He has not played for Brooklyn since Tuesday, January 5th. Obviously, uh, that was their last game before the Capitol storming, the Capitol riots. Uh, That happened the next day on January 6th, and Kyrie has been absent from the team ever since. No one knows the exact reason why he has not been with the team, and his absence has been attributed to, quote, personal reasons, but we all know Kyrie Irving is one of the most outspoken players in the NBA when it comes to social justice. So there are, or there is speculation uh, from a lot of people that it does have to do with, uh, uh, his absence does have to do with the Capitol storming and all of that. So he's not with the team. And then all of a sudden on Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember which day, but earlier this week, there was a video circulating of a maskless Kyrie Irving at what appears to be a family birthday party. And now the league is investigating the matter of Kyrie attending this gathering uh, and when this gathering occurred because it appears that he violated NBA health and safety protocols with that, that go in accordance to how the NBA is trying to prevent the spread of COVID-19 throughout the league. And if he were to miss games for being found to have violated those health and safety protocols, he will lose a portion of his salary and... So there are reports that there's no belief that the Brooklyn Nets guard will return to the team's lineup this week at all, uh, sources told ESPN. And then on Tuesday, Kyrie appeared to attend a virtual fundraiser for Manhattan District Attorney candidate uh, Tahani Abushi. Uh, Abushi ended up sharing a picture from the event on social media, and it took place 30 minutes before... Brooklyn was supposed to tip off against the Denver Nuggets uh, on Tuesday night. So it's pretty interesting that Kyrie is AWOL. He realistically, most likely violated COVID-19 health and safety protocols, all while the league has postponed multiple games uh, this year due to outbreaks uh, or teams not being able to field enough active players because they're in the health and safety protocols Uh, because they were close contacts. So James Harden is coming to a Brooklyn team that is quite honestly a mess right now. And, I mean, it it couldn't be going any other way than than I could have pictured it. Once Kyrie and KD and the Brooklyn Nets started playing. I mean – they were great on the court together, but we were interested in how things were going to develop off the court. And clearly, Kyrie has been away from the team for now almost a week, or now it is a week, and he's not going to be returning anytime soon, at least. So, I mean, I'll, I'll bring the guys in now. I know I've talked a lot to to start the show, but, I mean – James Harden to Brooklyn, it's it's a big time move. It's a blockbuster deal. It's it's one of the biggest moves in, in NBA history, I think, just given the fact of 
where he's going to and the the teammates that he is now joining up with. Um, so, Tyler, what what are your thoughts on how Brooklyn is coming together now with the addition of James Harden, adding to all of the craziness that is the Kyrie Irving saga right now? Uh, well, the Kyrie stuff is is like kind of a different side, kind of a side deal. So I'll focus but it, on it all comes stuff. together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but I just mean basketball. His ordeal really doesn't have anything to do with basketball, I don't believe. Um, so, you know, I think the Nets obviously made a good move. Um, getting a player like James Harden is almost impossible in a trade scenario. Uh, only happens every couple of years where we have these big mega trades like this. I mean, you saw how much realignment the league had to happen just from the move. Right. Um, so from a basketball perspective, man, the Nets jumped up to, I mean, I already had them as my favorite to win the East. So I think that they definitely jump up to win the East. And then if they've got Kyrie, I, now I'm going to proceed as if Kyrie is, is a question mark, basically. Like, that's just how I'm going to proceed with him for probably the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But James Harden and KD alone can, can definitely win the East. But if those three get on the court together, I mean, damn, how do you guard that? That is just some of the most talent I've ever, I would ever see. Uh, it reminds me of the big three in Miami, and it reminds me of Boston in uh, 08, I think it was, yep. uh, with Ray Allen and, and KG and Paul Pierce. I mean, this is a ton of talent. Both those teams won championships. So, uh, I think if we get those three guys on the floor together, they're a championship-caliber team. And I would say they're right underneath the Lakers as as uh, like favorites to win. I mean, if those three are playing basketball together, I, I got to have them as the second favorite to win. And I definitely think, you know, that was they paid the fair price to get James Harden. I mean, Houston made a move to get a future. Um, so they've got a plethora of picks. They got a couple. Uh, they've got a couple young pieces, um, and and they've got some some superstars that had questions around them. So they got superstars for guys that didn't want to be there, which just because you know, Oladipo, you know, he's had an injury uh, an injury riddled career. John Wall's had an injury riddled career. Demarcus Cousins been injury riddled. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of ton of question marks there, but those are all extremely good basketball players, um, and you, you know they they were trading people like Russ and James Harden and didn't want to be there. So they've got a fresh start, and then a little side deal with uh, Oladipo. Um, that's a, that uh, and and uh, Karis LeVert going to Indiana. I mean, Karis LeVert to Indiana is a, is a really good pickup for the. That's Patriots. gonna be. Great for Karis. He's going to thrive yeah, out super, there. Yeah, super excited to see him get his shot to be the number one scoring option. Um, and I think he will immediately be the number one. Sabonis is a four. He's a playmaker. I don't necessarily think he's your like, go-to guy. Um, Karis LeVert is definitely going to be their go-to guy. So I thought that was a, a really good pickup. And then the Cavs ended up being able to swoop in a, a good young big. Uh, someone they, on, <laughs> someone on Twitter said the Cavs have more bigs than a early 2000s all-star lineup. Yeah, which it's confusing <laughs> because but I just, you know, there I don't think that they see Kevin Love and Drummond as the future. Yeah. You know, I think I think that deal what they were saying, you know, I, I 
But don't I forget JaVale McGee. Is, there's a, it's more likely now that I think that Drummond and Caleb get dealt. And then, you know, I think that Jared Allen is going to – they want to pair Jared Allen with those guards. Um, you know, Okoro, who they got this year. Uh, Garland, who they got last year. And Sexton, who, got, who they got the year before that. Um, I think that that's, like, more the move for Cleveland. It is a weird, weird roster Cleveland has. I mean, they've got a stockpile of bigs, and then they've got a stockpile of young guards. I mean, they've really, like, it, it, it is a weird roster built, but um, I think Jared Allen is a good is a good young player, so uh, I think that was a good pickup. Yeah, and, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. Brooklyn just, I mean, they're – Offensive firepower now is, I mean, almost well, it's, just, it's almost unmatched you know, in the league, especially if you have Kyrie out there. My biggest concern now is defense. And, I mean, if you're really going to, like, bet the house on DeAndre Jordan being your go-to big man, it's that that's not going to be – like, that's not what you're looking for in today's NBA right now. That's not, that's not going to be productive. They're gonna have they to just need bodies. They're gonna have to score they 150 points, Tyler, if they're if they want to try and win a game. I mean, they're they're not gonna be able to defend. Well, I mean, we got to see them play basketball first. I'm not gonna just go out there and say that this team's you know so bad defensively that you know they're gonna cost them games because with that kind of firepower, I just don't you know I don't see anyone stopping them. I mean, you got a Joe Harris out there, you can't leave him. So, so whoever's guard Joe Harris cannot help on the double teams. You, you know, it's a, and if you have three extremely good offensive weapons out there at the same time with a Joe Harris, you can really throw in any big. I mean, Kendrick Perkins wasn't much of a, you know, showstopper. He was good enough for Boston. I don't even know who started at center for Miami when they had a big three. Uh, you know, what was it, Birdman Anderson and Joel Anthony? It's so – I don't think that that, that is going to hurt them. It really is just, you know, is Kyrie going to play or not, is not going to play? You know, James Harden and Durant are going to be able to win basketball games. Like, I know James Harden is going to come in and be able to cook. I don't believe that he's, you know, lost a step or anything like that. He was just pissed off. He was he went about the wrong way. He had all his antics to get out of town, but yeah. he can hoop. I mean, this guy is a killer. So, uh, Harden and Durant are going to do the damn thing. Kyrie, I, you know, with Kyrie, I think I just I believe that he, this is activism. Well, hold hold, hold on, hold that hold that thought real quick, Tyler, because I want to get Jacob's thoughts on Harden real quick, and then we'll get to Kyrie and and that whole right. situation in a second. Jacob, what were your thoughts about James Harden going to Brooklyn? Well, initially, like you said earlier, it's that it made headlines, but to me, it didn't necessarily stick out. Like I wasn't like, Oh man, this is crazy for the league. No, it's crazy for the league. I, but see to me, I don't feel that way. I think it's, you have big names on a big team and this is a fresh start for all three of them. But I, again, I don't really see this coexisting and there's reasons for that because Kyrie ball dominant, Harden ball dominant, KD, arguably your best player on that team ball dominant. No, he is the best player on the team. So that, that to me already sounds like a problem. We knew that Russ and Harden were going to work out, so I don't think this works out, only because of the way Harden plays. That's only the reason why I don't think this works out. Well, I think Harden is definitely going to have to change his role 
but especially see, if Kyrie is out there because see, Kyrie is going to Kyrie's going to be much. the playmaker. That's asking too much. When they first brought in Chris Paul when he was on the Rockets, they thought that was going to work because they thought they could coexist together. Chris Paul doesn't necessarily have to handle the rock, but he does set up the offense. Harden takes care of the rest. It's just that Harden never wanted to participate in that kind of offense. He just wanted isolation basketball. Well, he's reunited with Mike D'Antoni, who's Steve Nash's assistant. And God, am I praying for Steve Nash right now because Lord knows he needs it. Yeah, I, I really don't think that's going to work necessarily. Are they a bad team? By no means, no. But are they going to win games in the playoffs? I don't really think so. Hey, I'm sorry. There's a lot of teams in the East that I think are a little bit deeper than they are. An Eastern Conference Finals between Brooklyn and Boston or Brooklyn and Milwaukee, that's, that's going to be a fun seven-game series. I don't know. I, I don't really see it working out too well. And the big, the the main reason is just Harden. I think he's an issue. Tyler, he was, he was an issue in Houston. Tyler, do you think that James will have to change his role or style of play coming into this Brooklyn offense? Well, he's not going to change his style of play. No, I mean, he is who he is. His role, I mean, yeah, I guess uh, because there's a Kevin Durant out there, he's not the number one guy. But I also believe that that's why it's going to work. Him not being the number, he was, he had his, he had full control of the entire organization, Houston. Now he's coming in as part of a team. He wanted to be here, you know. He, I think, he respects KD as a player. And let's... KD is the KD is the obvious alpha. But but Russ, James Harden uh, is, you know, the guy that's been top top three in MVP voting the last four years. Yeah, so you uh, should want to be that guy then. That's, well, and that's what that's what kind of irritates me on his end. But let's not forget that James Harden is also when he wants to be one of the best passers in the league. He was yeah. he was getting Average triple eleven assists again. Yeah, but that's, yeah, but that's when he wants to be engaged in an offense like that. Well, and I think now that he's out of Houston and in a new environment where he wants to be with an old teammate like Kevin Durant, who he enjoys playing with, that could bode well for Brooklyn. It it can in yeah. turn, but. Hit in his in his way, he's taking the easy way out because you had pieces in Houston. That clip that we played of him saying that we're not good, don't know. That's a well, lie because in in previous seasons they've had good teams, they've right, had good rosters. Right. Houston did everything that James Harden asked them to do in terms of trying to get him as much help as possible, and he still pissed off teammates. Right, and that's where and like Tyler said, he was wrong in the way he went about trying to get out of Houston. He was absolutely yeah, but wrong. He, 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 you know, he, he, the antics were brought on once he wanted to leave. I mean, when he was there, he was there. Right. That's why, you know, I'm not, I'm not digging in too much to James Harden's antics because the only time I've ever really seen him is this year, you know, or, or, or recently to get out of Houston because he was done. Totally. Um, and I definitely just think that going to a new situation in Brooklyn with a Kevin Durant in the building with some familiar faces in the building, some other leaders, that he's just going to be more of a basketball player and, and a dominant one uh, like we've seen in the past. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, listen, it's as a basketball fan, I'm excited to see what it looks like on the court. As an NBA fan, I'm excited for the drama of all of it and all the attention that it brings to the league because I want the league to be popular. I mean, I'm I'm a basketball fan before a football fan. I want bas- I want the NBA to overtake the NFL in terms of popularity, and th- these are the kinds of things that keep the NBA in the headlines every single day, no matter if it's the re- the 
in season or the off season. So I'm excited to see what Brooklyn looks like on paper or not on paper on the court because they they look exciting on on yeah, they paper. Look, they look great on paper. The whole roster does. Right. So now we just got to see what happens on the court. But see, the the issues with these kind of headlines, though, is that they sometimes fade away. This was maybe not as big. I don't think. Yeah, it definitely wasn't as big as when Harden and Westbrook paired up. But that was still a major headline, though. Yeah. But and and I don't really don't remember that. It's. I think it's just not as big of a splash. No. Because we all knew Harden wanted out, and it was just a matter of time. Yeah. And yeah. So, this is very similar to AG. You know. The bigger the bigger the bigger bomb in all of this was Oladipo going to Houston. Yeah, see, I actually like that he went. He went there. Vert going to Indiana. Right, right, right. Yeah, yes. those two were good. Those were those were big time side pieces in this deal. But so I mean, James Harden, it's going to help Brooklyn for sure. Yeah, yeah. they're they're not going to suck by any means. They're going to be a great team. I just don't think that this works out in the long run. Well, a thi- a, a contributing factor to it potentially not working out is what's going on with Kyrie Irving right now. And, Tyler, I know you got started uh, with your thoughts on uh, what's going on with Kyrie, so I'll, I'll let you pick pick back up where you, where you kind of left off. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I think this is purely like him trying to exercise his ability to be an activist. You know, I don't know if he, he, he exactly knows day-to-day what he's doing or you know maybe by now he does but he was the guy in the bubble that was saying people shouldn't play after uh george floyd um and he got caught a lot of flack because people were like you're not even in the bubble how are you gonna say don't play right and 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 now i think that this which i was i was down with Kyrie at that point i felt like i was right there with him like I wouldn't want to play basketball, you know, with all that stuff going on in the world. Um, some things are bigger than the sport. And Kyrie, I mean, our, our, you know, our U.S. capital was, you know, it was taken over. So uh, I think and if he stopped playing then, he's been saying it's personal reasons. He's He's been laxed on rules. Uh, he doesn't care about money. I think he – I wish I had written the statement down, but, I mean, he made a statement he's ready to lose everything. Yeah. I think was – all in all what he was saying so i think that you know i i'm going to try and do something that's basically impossible to do and that's predict Kyrie irving but i think that he's going to be out for for a long time if not maybe the rest of the year uh i think it's that i think he's that drastic of a person and it's that drastic of a time uh, that that scenario i think is completely possible um and you know He's got to do his own thing, and I and I I agree with like you know I agree that he you know he should be an activist if he wants to be the activist. The point is the line in the sand where I don't agree is, and this is from an outsider looking into you know an organization. It doesn't seem like there's any communication with what's going on. Yep. Like if Kyrie if Kyrie was on the phone every day with Steve Nash texting him, just let him know, and nobody else knew. You know, but but no one does need to know. There. No one needs to know exactly, and, and that and you know we now it seems like that's not the case. So you know, I feel safe, kind of basically judging the scenario. Um, but yeah, I think that it, I think there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. 
if there was a clear line of communication to his employer, because I mean, those are his guys, you know, I think that you do owe a little something to the team and the coaches and the organization and, and you don't owe much. I mean, just phone calls and texts will do it. You know yep. what I mean? It's, it's not a lot. So that's kind of my um, opinion on it. I, you know, I think there's a good chance we see him sit out for a long period of time. I don't think James Harden changes anything as far as his motivation to get back onto the court. I don't think he sees Harden's name. It's like, all right, you know, I'm going to put this activist shit to the side and we're going to chase this ring. I don't think he's in that mindset. Um, and so I would love to see these three guys get on the court uh, because I think that's a championship caliber basketball team, one of the best I'd, I'd ever see assembled. But um, I think it's more likely we don't see him play. Yeah, I I mean, I completely agree with with everything you just said. Um, I got to shout out um, someone uh, that I know uh, on Twitter Jake Gold, uh, at Jake Gold 10. He's the host of the Good as Gold show. Uh, he tweeted out, you can simultaneously applaud Kyrie's amazing philanthropy and acknowledge his actions. Uh, let me just rephrase that. You can simultaneously applaud Kyrie's amazing philanthropy and acknowledge his actions are distracting slash unbecoming of a star and teammate whose $136 million contract comes with expectations to play. If he's not in men- in the mental space to hoop, that's totally okay. But just say that. He's not above criticism. And so I quote tweeted that and said, you can't just pick and choose when you want to come to work. That's not how a job works. We can talk all we want about basketball being just a game, but it's also a business and Kyrie isn't holding up his end of the agreement between him and his employer. So, Tyler, I completely agree with you that if this is all about activism and Kyrie wants to send a message and stand for his beliefs and all of that, that is amazing. That is very applaud-worthy. That, that is very commendable. That That is a great thing that Kyrie is doing. But just say that. All of the the crypticness, all of the the secret narratives, and all of the all of that surrounding it, it doesn't need to happen. Just it it literally comes down to just say what you mean and mean what you say. Just be yeah, honest. That's been my that's been my frustration with him in the in the past. It's like I felt like, dude, I know what Kyrie's trying to do. It's just he's always, like you said, he's so cryptic. He's got these these weird ways of dealing with the media because he hates the media, and that's okay. Yeah. It's fine. You can hate the media. But um, you have an obligation but, you know, as that, that you're under contract for, and it's like my thing, you, can't, you can't pick and choose when you want to come to work and just not let your employer know what's going on. You can't keep them out of the loop like you're saying, Tyler. All well, it takes is a thing, phone like, call and a text message. Like just – yeah. It's, like, you don't even, you know, like, like you're saying, you know, you got to show up to work. It's like, we well, you know, there's days I don't want to show up to work, but I got to call them. You know, right. if I don't call, if I don't call them, I'm fired. Exactly. Like, no, you know, no, no other. Now he's a celebrity. So it's a different, these are million, millions of dollars. Right. And we know superstars know, get special treatment from teams. It's no secret, but it's, it, it's, it really just, it comes down to a, a level of professionalism. Ultimately, I feel like. 
Yeah, which is definitely, you know, why I think a lot of people get frustrated with Kyrie. Uh, you know, he, he's always just, you know, he wants to, like, he, to me, he's always trying to set you up to do what we're doing right now and pick him apart and, and, and talk down on him. So then four months later, he could come out with some surprise and tell us how stupid we all were. Right. You know, that's kind of like he's always trying to pull these strings with the media and the narratives, um, which, again, is fine. It's, no one has any issues with it, I don't think. It's it's just the honesty and, and the uprightness and the communication. You know, like you said, say what you mean, mean what you say. Yeah. Jacob, what? But, do, but this, is Ky, this is Kyrie, man. I mean, that's how he does it, you know. Yeah, and it's, it, so. I mean, we've seen it over the last few years that this is just how he operates. And we saw it in Boston. We saw it in Boston. We saw it in, in Cleveland when LeBron left, and he realized that, like, all right, this is what it takes to be a leader. And, and it, he realized that in Boston as well. Uh, but, Jacob, what, what do you make of what's going on with Kyrie and his situation? Well, I definitely agree that you have the right to do. What do you want to do? And George Hill mentioned this earlier this week, saying that, I mean, if we want to oh, go hang out with our family. Mentioning, uh, yeah, talking about the health and safety exactly, protocols. Yeah, if, we're, if we want to go hang out with our family, we're going to go do so. And you have every right of doing so. But you said it perfectly. If you sign up and you have a contract, which they do, then you have to be obligated to go into work every single day. you got to fulfill that contract. Exactly. you got to keep it your end of the bargain. And so Kyrie can do what he wants to do. But you also bought into this. If you didn't want to play and, and you didn't want to do this NBA season, then you didn't have to. You could have bought out just like the players were given a chance in the bubble. Come up and speak and say, hey, I don't want to play the season because, A, I, I, wanted, I want to speak on this because I feel like I'm a good voice for it, and, and B, because of the health protocols, and I, I don't think it's safe for me and my family. You could have said that, and it would have been fine. Yeah, and going back to the cryptic stuff with, surrounding Kyrie and all all of that, and uh, I mean, my thing is like you, Kyrie as a as a person, because of being an NBA player and an NBA champion and all of that, and the pedigree that he has reached, he has such a big platform. I don't understand all the secretiveness. Be open about the platform you're trying to hates, to speak about. He hates them. He hates the media, man. I think it's purely he hates it. But he, he but he my thing is my thing is, and this is probably because I have a, a media and a journalism background, it's like if he's just open and honest with the media, there's gonna be nothing to misconstrue. Yeah, so you can hate the media, but if you're not being transparent with your employer, with your teammates, that's also an issue too. The media is there to tell your story. If you don't sometimes Sometimes. Yeah, no, that's why no, I'm saying yeah, I'm yeah, saying you can are, you can sit there and the hate the media. media. Screw you over. Say that one more time, Tyler. Uh, I mean, I just think sometimes. I mean, there's reasons why these guys are frustrated. Um, right. You know, there is some sort of animosity, and I understand it. Uh, I mean, the two really like it's it's you can't have one without the other type of deal. People are going to talk about sports. You have to be you have to be at least okay that that world exists. You don't have to like it. Right. Um, but also handle you know, it like Marshawn did, he, though, Tyler. Marshawn handled it the best. Well, month, month. Well, let's, we can't go com- comparing goats to dookies, <laughs> or, or we'll start being disappointed all over. Uh, no, because because I mean Marshawn's a basic dude. He, he's he's not about all this like legacy, you know, stuff. He you know he keeps. He keeps out of the media. He doesn't want to be a part of it. Just like Kyrie, Kyrie just handles it in a different way. Yeah. Um, 
And it's like, you know, it's hard because I, I feel the activist part. I mean, if you do have an employer and you did sign a contract and things are going so horribly in the country that you feel like not showing up is going to bring like your platform up to another level, then I understand that. But again, he like we just don't know, you know, like if if there was any sort of information coming from Kyrie or his people, we would probably wouldn't even be talking about it right now. Exactly. We'd be talking about because you're just constantly trying to guess at what this dude's doing, and and like I said earlier, it's damn near impossible to predict what he's thinking and what he's going to do. Yeah, and Stephen A. Smith uh, said it earlier today on ESPN uh, that he wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie decides to retire early at some point and Tyler I'm with you I'm I'm not expecting to see Kyrie Irving on an NBA basketball court in, in the near future anytime soon yeah Stephen A said he should uh, did he say he should retire or he thinks he's gonna retire I'm honestly I'm honestly because not sure I think I, I don't want to misquote that re- no I don't either but you know if he said you should retire, you know, like retire and just go do your thing, those are the kind of things he hates about the media, you know? Yeah. It's oh, like, no, he said, that. I think Kyrie Irving should retire. Yeah, and so that that's what I thought because my initial reaction was like, that's exactly what he, like, why he does all this stuff, you know? Yeah. It's because of people saying stuff like that. Like, he's his own person. He can do what he wants just because it's not how you would go about it or how you'd want somebody to go about it doesn't mean anything he's using his platform how he should like i said my only beef is his communication with his employer 100 percent, or, or his teammates like he could even be doing this via durant yeah you know like it, it, it really just like baseline communication really really basic stuff um that's that's really the only issue i see yeah so uh like i was saying uh, at the at the beginning of the show uh, Kyrie was seen in a maskless video uh, at a party for uh, his sister for her 30th birthday or something. And this is all going while the league has canceled multiple games due to outbreaks of COVID-19. Jacob, do you have the, the list of all the games that have been canceled? Uh, I do. Let me pull it up really quick. Yeah, so there's a total of nine games, and it's uh, – Two of them were announced today, but it's a total of nine games. Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Rockets, Miami Heat versus the Celtics, the Pelicans against the Mavericks, Celtics again against the Bulls, Magic against the Celtics. The Celtics really got the blunt of this. Yes. The Jazz against the Wizards, Hawks against the Suns, Wizards and Pistons, and Warriors and Suns. So that Rockets-Oklahoma City game... I believe that was from December 23rd. That was the 23rd, yep. And that was because of Harden. Well, not, no, that wasn't because of Harden. That was because of the haircuts. Uh, and that was when John Wall, Boogie, uh, Sterling Brown, Ben McElmore, a couple other guys had to sit out, and they didn't have enough players to field the team. Which most of these are, actually, because right. they don't have enough players to field the team. Right. Yeah. And the NBA announced today that I believe it was 16 players – uh, have tested positive in the NBA since January 6th uh, out of the 497 players in the league. And so the league is clearly dealing with a, a COVID-19 issue now that they are not in a bubble. They are traveling throughout the country. They're, they're doing as much as they can to mitigate travel by doing the the sets of games with teams like 
the Lakers playing Houston back-to-back games in Houston um, or uh, their that four-game road trip they had with two games in San Antonio and two games in Memphis. Um, but just, I mean, eight games in the last seven to eight days, if you include the two games that got canceled this upcoming Friday, that's a pretty big deal. Well, it's eight games over three-day span, three- or four-day span. Right, and, I mean, you have the Celtics losing three games. Yeah, again, they're the ones who really got the uh, the shit end of the stick, so to speak, on this because that's, yeah, three games, and to make up for this, they're potentially going to have to play back-to-back-to-back. Right, at some point. Yeah. So what I what I really wanted to discuss was, oh, and also, I mean, like Jacob was saying, George Hill was talking about um, – basically why play if the NBA is going to make the health and safety protocols more strict? Like, what's the point, basically? And so I, I wanted to discuss... I mean, like, they're, they're not that much more strict than they were in the bubble. Right. They're just trying to do as much as they can to to mitigate, interact to, to prevent interactions between opposing teams pre and post game. They're trying to to get players that aren't on the court to wear masks as much as possible. They're trying to coordinate the seats on the plane with the seat seating arrangement on the bench. See, um, the only ones that I can see are a problem, and they're a little bit arbitrary, are that you're limiting players not to go out for those for those two weeks. When they're on the road, they just basically want them in the hotel, and then the high-fiving. These guys are going to do that regardless. They're going to go out and do whatever the hell they want. Right. So that's why I see George Hill's point. But again, if you sign a contract and you signed up for this season, this is what it entails. Right. So what I wanted to to talk about really was what do you guys think is more likely to happen if the NBA continues down this road of uh, having to postpone games because teams aren't able to field enough active players to start the game? What do you think is more likely, a return to a bubble scenario or just a complete stoppage of play? Tyler, what about what do you think? Uh, that's really hard because, I mean, I think ideally you'd love to go back to a bubble just because you know it works. Um, right. I don't think the I players think would like, like that. Yeah, I think more more so in a realistic sense, I think more more likely as we see a shutdown. Um, as far as what's more likely between those two options. Yeah, I would agree um, with just that. Just because I think, it would, I think it would be really tough to get infrastructure, um, players agreement, uh, you know, get all uh, scheduling, all that stuff organized in time and then ready to execute. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a mess just like it was last year. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I they would love to go back to the bubble, but I think it's just too tough to, to pull off in this amount of time. Yeah, and I mean, I listened to LeBron's interview with the Road Tripping podcast, and I mean, he knew the exact days and nights that they were in the bubble. It was 96 days, 95 nights, and I just don't think the players want to go through that again. And it's, I mean, let's let's be honest, it also had an effect on guys' mental, mental health, and there were plenty of guys that came forward and, and talked about that being confined to a space for a given amount of time it it really it really took a toll on guys and and it also we saw it on the court as well like if you saw a team get down maybe 
3-1 or 3-0 in a series, they come out the next game and it's like, all right, we're, 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 we're going to pack up and be ready to go so we can leave after this game kind of thing because we want to get out of here basically. So I agree with Tyler. I think it, a stoppage of play is more likely. I think a contributing factor to that is the way the NBA schedule has been released. They're, they're releasing it in chunks to kind of give them the wiggle room to maybe extend the season because of postponement of games, unlike the NFL. Uh, so I think that is uh, an interesting factor uh, that could play into the league deciding to stop uh, stop play throughout the NBA. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Jacob, do you think about they return to the bubble or you think a stoppage of play is more likely? Now, the bubble is enticing because, again, it was proven to work. And when they had it, zero positive cases. Right. So that's something that's always something you can go back to. Us as fans would love to see the bubble because there wouldn't be a stoppage of play. Exactly. Yeah. But it comes that's, down to the players. That's the selfish part of, of us fans. Now, and fans also liked it because it had that summer league feel to it where it was AAU like AAU tournament. Yeah. AAU style. So that was great, too, to see. You know, a lot of players had. Um, had outbreaks in there where they were just playing, you know, uh, TJ Warren was one of them. But I think ultimately there will be a stoppage because I don't think the NBA wants to prove that it's failed its season. Because if you look at the NFL, you're already heading into the playoffs. MLB was a successful season. And MLB had cases like this. In they my, had a huge breakout, in, too. In my opinion, even worse. I think it was a lot worse. NFL had to postpone a lot of games and move things around. But they never canceled a game. And they got through their season. They played all 256. And so, to me, I think that if you're the NBA, you're looking at maybe stopping a couple weeks and just seeing how it goes and then restarting it again because you don't want to prove that your season failed. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, we, us three here, we know this. At the end of the day, what it comes down to is money. And it's how they're going to make the most money out of this season. So I don't I don't know if I think obviously in this scenario a stoppage is more likely than a bubble scenario but I don't know if the NBA s- stops at all they they can't miss out on the money yeah that's that's a huge issue is just all the the network contracts the TV contracts they're gonna try and push through as much as they can just like the NFL and MLB did yeah I just don't know how much wiggle room that they have because the MLB shortened its season significantly whereas the NBA did it by ten games so. I don't know how much more. But like I said, releasing the schedule in chunks and giving themselves that wiggle room, that, that could help. Yeah, that helps them. But but in turn, it's, again, the NFL doesn't have a lot of games. And right. Th- their and issue playing is the once a, Playing once a week is a lot easier. Yeah, that's it's a lot easier. And then, again, we were blessed as NFL fans to get games, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever. But with the NBA, they play games back-to-back. And so now, again, you're setting up for back-to-back-to-back multiple times in a season. So they have less wiggle room because of their season is so long. Yeah, and, I mean, playing back-to-back games has already been an issue with the Players Association and guys wanting rest and uh, load management and all of that. So guys aren't going to want to play back-to-back-to-back games no. in these po- in, in event of these postponements. Because in, in turn, you're start, you start screwing with, with the rehab and, and you know going back and icing and all of the post-game stuff that you normally would do when you don't have back-to-back-to-back games. Yeah, what were you going to say, Tyler? Well, I was just, you know, to avoid, to avoid you know, stop, stopping the season and to avoid a bubble, you know, they're, they're going to have to do things like, you know, the – 
the chunks of the schedule are smart because I think they're going to end up having to cut games, get it closer maybe to even like a 50-game season because they're going to want to – before they stop playing, they'll go to 50 games, you know, because 50 games is better than, than 40. Better than none. Really, you know, it's better than none. And so uh, – and then the other thing I think they can do is extend the rosters, which is something I think we'll see happen maybe, you know. But does extend it to maybe – my thing with extending the rosters, though, is more people that haven't been in that bubble-like area that you're trying to create within your team, bringing more people into that, that could be an issue. I don't know. That's just one thing. Well, that's that's why it needs to be, you know, there should be a process to it. You, For sure. You, know, you have to sign, you sign the player. They have a 10-day quarantine. Once they're done with the quarantine, they're with the roster. And then it's like, you know, G League guys are following the same protocol as well they're the doing a g league bubble down in florida and, and so you know like get the g league guys going you know i think that if you had more guys onto the roster but then does the product got, on the court they, suffer yeah absolutely but we're talking about we're talking about saving money you know big money and so it's like the nfl let denver go out there with no quarterback they let the browns play a game without a head coach they let the Browns play without a game without any wide receivers. You know, it, they'll they'll go to drastic measures, throw bad. You know, the NFL threw bad product out there because it was better than not. Um, so in, in that regard, I do I do think the product would suffer, but it's you know it's the lesser of the two evils, I guess. You know, I think a bigger roster would help you survive the season. Yeah, I mean, listen, the the NBA has a lot. A lot to figure out uh, over the next couple of weeks because it's, I mean, before we know it, it we're going to be trying to get ready for the playoffs if, if we make it to there. So, I mean, we just got to keep our fingers crossed that the NBA get, gets a hold of the, uh, a stranglehold on, on these outbreaks throughout these teams and, and can figure out a way to finish out the season. So, yeah, so. I mean, and it sucks too. Just a really quick last note. It sucks because this season they wanted to get a jump on it and start it as soon as they could after that bubble season, so they can get things back on track where we can right. get the season started back in, in normal time of Oct- October, September ish when you start preseason. And that's what this was supposed to be, but it completely derailed. Yeah. So it's they they got a lot of work cut out for them. But uh, let's uh, let's talk some NFL playoffs now. So we talked about it at the beginning of the show, but uh, it was all right. Reverse psychology, all reverse psychology, fellas. Um, the Rams. I don't know how the hell they did it. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to be quite honest with you. <laughs> oh, man. Tyler, do you do you want to even explain it? Explain how we lost? Yeah, because I 
I mean, it's just it's it's a bad loss. I mean, obviously, like from my standpoint, I wish I I feel like you know we're one of those franchises that has these rare quarterback coach kind of combos, these windows that we need to get to the Super Bowl as many times as we can. And it started off really hot. I mean, Russ was in the Super Bowl two two times in his first five years. Now it's been a four-year drought to get to the Super Bowl. So, you know, obviously I want to get to the Super Bowl every single year with Russ and Pete, but that's not necessarily realistic. And I, you know, the only football thing I can say is it's just, Russ has to be really special for us to be really dynamic on offense or we just look like a stale piece of crap. Um, and, you know, we fired off as a coordinator. Maybe it's play calling. But, I mean, I, I don't think play calling was necessarily the biggest issue. Um, but Because we did a lot of good things with his play calling. We set a lot of records, led the, led the league in rushing a couple times. Uh, Russ had a great passing year. And passing years in general. In the uh, MVP just, conversation for mo- most of the year, too. We just weren't the better team on that day. Uh, that's how, that's why you play the game, you know? I just, I got to know, on behalf of uh, Jamal Adams, was the victory cigar worth it? It was. <laughs> no, it was. wasn't, Tyler. Uh, no, it wasn't. Just stop it. Hey, man, you got to, it's okay to celebrate goals, okay? You, you have certain goals, win the division, Go to the playoffs, get to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. I'd That's rather be. <laughs> you can you can celebrate accomplishments. Not everybody is is gonna have this championship or bus attitude because it's not really fair. There's ways of reaching greatness without winning the Super Bowl. Jamal Adams had just spent his the first years of his career on a Jets team that was awful. You know, the Seahawks. We won 12 games this year. We were a good football team. Uh, we won the division. Those count. We count those. Those are all right. But it's not um, even about. Think, it's not even about Super Bowl or bust or championship or bust. It's I'd rather be in the divisional round of the playoffs than w- sparking a cigar after a division championship well, course, in course, Week 16. He sparked the, he sparked the blunt. It, yeah, he sparked well, the blunt. <laughs> well, he sparked the it, wrong end of the cigar. It, it's dude. People celebrate division championships every year. I mean, people that celebrate locking the playoffs every year. There, there are reasons to celebrate. They worked hard to get to that point. That's a that's a step in the in the process. Legacy is not just built overnight. I mean, I think that yes, would you he rather be playing this week? Of course, but he he lit it before the divisional round. You know, there, we easily could have won that game, and it would be a new point. Uh, so you know, he didn't like. It's not like he lit his cigar for winning the NFC West after we lost to the Rams, you know? Yeah. Like, that wouldn't have made – obviously, that wouldn't have made sense. But, yeah, I mean, I think he deserves to celebrate. We, we were the NFC West champs this year. Can't win him. You can't win it every year. Um, so, I, I'm down with that for sure. Well, you're going to have a long off season to to celebrate that division championship, Tyler. Hey, all but one team, you know, all but one team have to end their season this way. So uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super disappointed. Obviously, it was a bummer to lose because I feel like we were a better football team. To be honest, I think that's that was the 
that was the worst part of it. it you know, if we would have got spanked by Kansas City, probably would have been a little easier. Um, losing in the first round to a divisional opponent, you know, an opponent that you would you think that you're better than, that's, that's a bad loss. That one hurts. You can take solace in the fact that the Rams were the number one defense in the league all year, so. Well, it's a playoffs. I mean, you, you don't get to the playoffs if you're not a good football team. Um, even 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 Washington, you know. Mm. So uh, <laughs> you you can get you get to the playoffs. You're you're a respectable opponent. Um, and yeah, we just we weren't we weren't the better team that day. Yeah. Well, now we got the divisional round, and interestingly enough, we got uh, the same seeding matchups in uh in both conferences we got the one six matchup and the two five matchup but that's that's kind of interesting how that that all played out the same way in, in both divisions but so we got well i think it goes back to the home field advantage why you saw for the first time in nfl history home teams had a losing record i mean yeah you, that's you a good point four, tyler you saw, four, you saw four home teams lose uh in the opening rounds I think the level of competition is a lot more fair and even without, you know, we're see, it's kind of cool to see this, like how big of a factor home field really is. Yeah. That's a really good point. So, all right. Uh, on Saturday, uh, we got two matchups and on Sunday we got two matchups obviously, but, uh, first on Sunday, we got the Rams and the Packers leading us off in the afternoon. Uh, the Packers, obviously, the number one seed. They got their first uh, the wild card weekend by. Um, I mean, I've been rooting for Aaron Rodgers all year just because I've been watching him and listening to him every week on Pat McAfee's show uh, every Tuesday. But he's the enemy this week. Uh, so the Rams, they're coming off the upset victory over the Seattle Seahawks. John Wolford started, but got hurt, almost got his head taken off, had to be taken out on ambulance, but he's all good now. But Jared Goff came in and did just enough not to lose the game. <laughs> That's the key. Just enough. <laughs> yeah. Listen, hey, he was 10 days out of surgery on his thumb. Uh, I give so. him that for coming back, but. Yeah, he no, he earned a lot of doesn't look pretty though. He earned a lot of Rams fans respect uh just being out there and like I said just doing enough not to lose the game. But the real Yeah, I got that's a, that you know real quick I think that is another point I didn't make is is I definitely think Seattle made plays to lose the game. You know, there, yeah. there is a difference like what you're saying, you know, he did just enough not to lose. There are play, you know like the force the force pick six you know obviously so yeah those are those are def that was those are the kind of things that make you get an upset you know in the playoffs yeah uh the real star on offense though was rookie running back cam Akers. uh he had 176 all-purpose yards 131 uh of those yards were rushing and he had a td as well he was um just amazing all around uh in his first playoff game and then, I mean, ultimately the Rams, they are pretty banged up right now. Uh, Cooper Cup hurt his knee. Uh, Aaron Donald hurt his ribs, but he's going to be okay to play. Um, he had two sacks uh, on Russell Wilson in the first three plays against Seattle, and that, that really set the tone. 
Uh, Jalen Ramsey versus DK Metcalf, that was a great matchup. And then, like Tyler said, the pick six, shout out Darius Williams. He led the team in the regular season with four interceptions and, and getting the pick six on Russell Wilson to, to really seal and, the and victory. Picked, and picked Russell Wilson in the regular season as well. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So, I mean, he really – I mean, that's film. Yeah. He's watching film. Yeah. And, I mean, listen, there, there's a reason the Rams were the number one defense in the NFL this year. Yeah, I thought it was a defensive game. I mean, you know, Seattle's offense was stinking it up. Uh, I felt like our defense our, our defense had only given up seven points until midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the offense gave up one of the touchdowns. So, uh, I thought our defense played well, and, and obviously L.A.'s defense played well enough to win to win them the game yeah now i mean listen the rams are gonna have a true test going to lambo it's it's gonna be cold it's probably gonna be snowing but i mean they're the packers they're missing left tackle david bakhtiari who tours acl in the regular season so the defensive line and aaron donald they got to exploit that i mean leonard floyd's gonna have to have a big game Michael Brockers is going to have to big game. Guys like Morgan Fox uh, are going to have to step up. Samson uh, Ebukum is going to have to step up. Um, it's it's going to be a battle in the trenches, and that's that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. I think in this game, obviously the the matchup that everyone is looking forward to is Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams on, on the outside. So that's that's definitely going to be something to watch. Jalen Ramsey got two big assignments uh, in a row, but that's what the playoffs are about, and that's ultimately why he came here and why the Rams paid him so much money is to take on assignments like DK Metcalf one week, and then the next week he got to go up against Devontae Adams for a chance to go to the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, ultimately, I think the key for the Rams is they're going to need to keep Rodgers off the field as long as possible because they won't survive a shootout type of game with the Packers, no. no matter who's under center, if it's John Wolford or Jared Goff. I think it is going to be Jared Goff starting. Uh, but he's, like I said, the Rams, we've said it all year, the Rams go as the way Jared Goff goes, and he did enough not to lose him a game against Seattle in the wild card round. And, He's going to have to do enough not to lose him the game against Green Bay, and the defense is going to have to carry this team. And I got to shout out my boy, Corey Holbert. Uh, he was giving me updates on the game because I was away uh, for the weekend up in Arrowhead. And he said he didn't want to get too ahead of himself, but he was getting 07 Giants type of vibes from the Rams against the Hawks with the way the defense was humming uh, on Saturday. So it's... It's going to be a very interesting game against Green Bay. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it, but I know it, it could also end very, very quickly because if Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and that Green Bay offense get going early with Aaron Jones and Bob Tunyon and all those other guys that they got, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. It, it, it could go south quickly for the Rams, but I think the defense, they, they know what they need to do. They did it against Seattle and I think they'll be ready to go against Green Bay on Saturday. So, I mean, what what are your guys' thoughts on this game? Well, I think the biggest thing when going to Lambeau, obviously, is 
and we what's funny, we just talked about home field advantage not really being a the thing. Their home field advantage mainly comes from weather, just as yeah. much as it comes from fans. So I think the weather, you know, is always another obstacle to get over when playing the Packers and specifically golf. You know, I played I played uh, quarterback in high school and I you know, I grew up in the north, uh, so we played cold weather football. When it's cold out, your hands are not they don't work as good. I mean it's not as it's 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 not as easy to you know, have all this touch and feel and grip like you're, you're like you're used to. Um, and then on top of that, homeboy's got a hurt thumb on the throwing end. And, you know, you know. He was rocking two I, gloves at practice today, Tyler. I mean, to, to the, the, amount of, the amount of pain and kind of just, um, I'm, I'm, for lack of a better term, shitty conditions for him to play in, uh, that's like, you know, I don't want to say they don't have a shot, but I think that that's really going to be the the factor. Like Jared Goff, man, I don't know if he's going to be able to do do much. Um, you know, injuries, you know, injured joints, injured bones. It, it, it hurts worse in the cold. You know, you, they start they start getting stiffer quicker. Um, so that that to me is something you got to watch for. But luckily, LA is a defensive team. Um, they have a good matchup for Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, but I think ultimately the Packers are going to be too much for the Rams uh, this, this weekend in Lambeau. Jacob, what are, what are your thoughts heading into this weekend? Well, not for this good. game. Well, not good for the Rams, but hey, I, reverse I will, psychology, I baby. It worked last weekend. I don't think it works two weeks in a row. But I will say this, though, that if the Rams can get a jump on the defense, which I think they're going to, I think they have a shot. But it is going to be tough because Rodgers this season does have a lot of weapons and he will be the MVP of the season. So I think I think that's tough for them, and they do have a tough assignment. But again, you bring in Ramsey for situations like this against Devontae Adams, yep. their best receiver and weapon on the Green Bay team. They are going to have issues on the offensive end, so I really think Goff needs to be at the top of his game, but I don't know how healthy he is after coming from surgery, coming back from surgery. It's going to so, be hard to be at the top of his game, but it, he's going to be at the top of whatever that game is. Yeah, if he was if he was healthy during the season, he struggled. I don't know how he comes into this game. I know it weighs a lot because now he got he got all the um the the support of the of the Rams organization and the fan base of him coming back and playing injured, but again, this starts with the defense though. If they don't come out and really smack Green Bay in the face and let them know that they're there to play, I think they're in for a long uh Long game. Yep. And but it's, pretty. <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting. But all right. Um, the Saturday night matchup is the the 2-5 matchup in the AFC. We got the Baltimore Ravens going to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Lamar Jackson, he is coming off of his first playoff victory of his career. So he got that monkey off of his uh, back. And so don't call it a monkey off his back. Come on now. What the guy had? Two, the guy had two playoff games. He did. He. I. I just felt like that was. We. We were. People were super harsh on Lamar. Okay. I mean, so I think he deserves some criticism. Like he wasn't able to get it done. The dude's. What is, is he? Even twenty five years old. You know he's played two games. Like. All right. That's this isn't, that's this fair. This isn't T you know, where he lost a decade's worth of first-round games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. That's fair. 
That's fair. I'm sorry. I'm a little defensive of Lamar. No, you're right. Because, no, you're right. Because I I thought it was pretty interesting that everyone was making a big deal that it was his first playoff victory of his career. And I was like, well, it's only like his third year in the league. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So, I mean, I just think that he's, he's caught some harsh judgment, but just because of the style of runner, he is style of quarterback. He has being a runner. Uh, And, and, you know, just having these unrealistic, like the dude won MVP. I mean, you know, thinking that like, okay, the question is coming. Can Baltimore win it with Lamar Jackson? Like, yeah, I should fucking hope so. Or it's Baltimore's (laughs) fault, not Lamar. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, well, and perfectly w- going along with that, I think Buffalo, the main thing that they're going to need to do is contain Lamar because if Lamar gets on the roll like he did in wildcard weekend against Tennessee, I mean, Baltimore is the most dangerous runner in the open field. Oh, it's I mean, he's, crazy. He's more, he's more dangerous than Kamara. He's more dangerous than Derrick Henry. I mean, if he's past long screw, he is lethal. I mean, this is this is the closest thing I've ever seen to Michael Vick. And that win for Baltimore was so fucking big. I mean, Oh yeah. Especially uh, with everything was, that happened in the regular season between those two teams. Well, they, so I mean, the last two times they played, uh Baltimore lost. Baltimore lost to them in the playoffs last year and then they lost to them in the disrespectful way they did this year in the regular season. So that was a big time win like Ravens. I mean, all year I had the Ravens ranked higher than probably most people because I thought they would be dangerous at this point in the year and Buffalo better be ready to go. Yeah. And now, like the Ravens the Ravens are not Buffalo Bills fans like everybody has decided to be this year. So they're not gonna be in awe of Josh Allen. Uh they're they're not they're gonna come out ready to win that game. And they're um they're more uh experience in, in, the, in these kind of games you know buffalo's still kind of trying to figure it out yeah but on the other hand buffalo has a quarterback in josh allen who i think this season although he might not win an mvp like patrick mahomes and lamar jackson have but i think josh allen is on his way stepping into that same tier as a lamar jackson and patrick mahomes based off of the season that he had this year and I think ultimately that Buffalo has surrounded him with better weapons than what Lamar Jackson has in Baltimore albeit Jackson is more dynamic as a quarterback with the run game that he has than Josh Allen although Josh Allen is no slouch of a runner either but Lamar adds that other dynamic to his game but I think ultimately with guys like Stefan Diggs and Devin Singletary surrounding Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen and the Bills have better weapons than Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on offense. And I, I, I ultimately have Buffalo beating Baltimore just because I think Buffalo is on that is, is having that kind of season, really. And I know Baltimore uh, got the statement win over Tennessee. And like Tyler said, you've been you've been high on them all year, higher than most, I think, because you know how dynamic this team can be. I just think Buffalo is having that special of a year to where they're going to they've been destined to be in the AFC Championship game all year this year and realistically um I think and we'll talk about um Tampa Bay and New Orleans in a second but I I think that Buffalo they're 
they're destined to to be in the AFC Championship game this year against Kansas City. So I got Buffalo, Buffalo winning this game. Buffalo is one, you know, they win this game, or they're like one, two playoff games away from being just a scary franchise moving forward. Right now, they're still kind of Bills, you know. We still see them as like, we still kind of want to count them out, you know, because they're like the Bills, you know. Uh, but they've played so well this year. Josh Allen, like you said, is like emerging as a superstar quarterback. They win this game, and then they're looking like a real, you know. No, I think that cements it if they win this game. Mm-hmm. It's big time, I think, moving forward for their mentality. Now, the the and then now this is going to speak to how well I think they're, they're positioned for the future. And if they lose this game to Baltimore, which I believe could happen, um, if they lose this game, this is the game, the, the pissed-off game, you know? This is the game that maybe jumpstarts them like, okay, we've made the playoffs, we've got a dub, and, you know, we just got upset to Baltimore. Now it's time to – now we're pissed. Like, we yeah, they got that the They got that taste, and now it's like, all right, we got that taste. We know what it's like. We can't let it slip away next time. So, really, either way, I think this franchise is, is you know, you kind of said it as well. They are they are set up to have a, to, to have a future – uh, a special future, but I'm I'm rolling with Harbaugh and Lamar and them boys from Baltimore. I'm yeah. rolling with them this week. I like their momentum coming in. I like their play style, and Lamar is a bad mamma jamma. <laughs> Jacob, what about you? What do you, what do you th- think about this game? Well, I got to take the Bills on this one, and and there's a couple reasons. First, this is the season that Josh Allen had his coming out and welcome to the league moment, I think. It's like you really start to see all of the weapons that he has as a player. And all he needed was that deep threat in, in Stefan Diggs, and you saw what he could do with it. But it is I mean, hey, be, Cole Beasley also made yeah. first-team All-Pro this year. Yeah. So, But, yeah, his name didn't get a lot of headlines. It was mainly just because of Diggs, because of his, uh, his contribution this year. But Beasley's still great. But I think it's going to be tough for Allen – Going up against this Baltimore defense, and you saw what Marcus Peters did. Yes, against the Titans. So Baltimore's D is no joke. It's not going to be easy for Allen. So they very well could lose this game. I still got to take them because I think that their confidence this year. I just speak so highly of of the Bills and the Ravens. Though I got to give their kudos too because since Lamar came back from from being uh, or from having COVID, they were on a tear. They were really clicking. But I don't know. Something about this season doesn't necessarily stand out for me on on their on their season. I just don't think they're as dynamic as they were a year ago. We'll see. We'll see. So all right, Sunday we got uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to New Orleans. Tyler, you said that Baltimore and Tennessee had played twice in the regular season, and Tampa Bay and New Orleans also have played twice in the regular season. So this will be the no, third. No, no. Baltimore and Tennessee, they 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 lost their last two games. They played they played one game this year and then their playoff game from last year. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. I got confused. Well, no, this is an old fashioned division rivalry. Right, but the point I was trying to make still stands. the The third time you play a team, it when. It's tough. It's hard. Yeah. It's not easy to play a team three times. New Orleans has won the previous two matchups, and that's exactly why I think, uh, unfortunately, Austin, shout out Austin Ratbaum. Unfortunately, I think Tampa Bay is going to beat New Orleans because it is so hard to beat a team three times in one season. 
Tom Brady and the the rest of the Buccaneers, they look like they're hitting their stride. I think this defense or this game is going to come down to defense uh, for for each team because we know with names like Brady, Breeze, Alvin Kamara, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, uh, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, there's going to be fireworks on offense. So it's it's ultimately going to come down to who's going to get that stop when they need it most. And with these two teams playing each other for the third time this year, I got to think that Tom Brady is going to come out victorious. Well, he has that in the back of his mind. Yeah. He he knows that they're coming into this game 0-2 against New Orleans this year. So it's it's – like we said, it's tough to beat a team three times in one season. So I think New Orleans, they've had a great run, but ultimately Brady is going to end not only, I think, Breeze's season, but I think Drew Breeze's career will be will be over after Sunday. Yeah, I mean, there's only one name that matters in this game. That, that's, that's that dude, Tom Brady. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the playoffs, and... Uh, you know, I think he's – I got to roll with Brady in the playoffs, man. I mean, I've loved, I've enjoyed watching the Saints run with Sean Payton and these guys for over this last decade. An all-time uh, run. All-time run. All-time run. And they got one. Um, and, so, it, and the one that they got when they got it right after Katrina, it, it all – Big time, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, and, you know, the Saints have been victim to some crucial upsets. I mean, you know, you have... The, oh, boy, have know, I heard that. Uh, what? I said, oh, boy, have I heard that before. The Saints? Yeah, and their and they're upsets. Oh, uh, what, you know a fan or something? Uh, yeah, a couple. Whether it be yeah, a call, I mean, a play, a cheap shot, we, we, I've heard it all. We've, the, Seahawks, the Seahawks made it to the playoffs 7-9, and nine, and we beat them. Obviously, you had the, the Minnesota Miracle. Yep. So... But anyways, this is not going to be one of those days. This is this is not an upset by any means. These are two juggernauts uh, thrown down. So, uh, not, you know, I think it's going to be a great great football game. Either team can win, but uh, when it comes to the bad side, there's no way I can go go away from Brady. Uh, I think they, like you said, they come in with a good game plan, playing them for the third time. Uh, this has been a team that's been developing every single week, and they're still doing so, so. I like Brady in the Bucks. Jacob, are you rolling with Brady as well? Yeah, I have to. I like I like Saints and and their offense, but I have to think that Brady is still not forgetting these two losses, and especially the second one, which was a complete ass kicking. Oh yeah, I think it was like thirty eight to three or something like that. That was yeah. that was even hard to watch too. And I just think he he has that in the back of his mind. And going in the playoffs, he's a completely different monster. So I don't think you want to necessarily deal with him in a in the third game. So yeah. I got to think that they come out and they win this game. Yep. All right. And then the the final matchup from the divisional round uh, of the playoffs for the NFL. I can't believe I, I know. I don't even know what you're about How, to say either. It's the Cleveland Browns somehow are in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. You know it, what? I got to tip my hat off to them, though, because I, yeah. didn't, I didn't have them winning that game. Neither did I. Uh, they're going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs, the number one team not only in the AFC but in the NFL overall they had the best record in the regular season they they're coming off their uh first round bye 
But the Cleveland Browns, they came out and punched the Steelers right in the mouth. And they were up 28 to nothing in the first quarter against Pittsburgh. And, I mean, they've had a great run, but they're going to have to duplicate their performance if they want to have a chance against the well-rested Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Baker Mayfield is going to have to play an A-plus game but, I mean, ultimately, I, I just think Kansas City is going to be too much for Cleveland. It, they're, Cleveland is, is a great team. They've had a great run, great season. Baker proved a lot of doubters wrong. They had to overcome a lot of adversity, especially last week with not having Stefanski in person, uh, calling plays, uh, not having to practice, all of that. They, they proved a lot of people wrong this year, and I'm, I'm really happy for Cleveland fans because of how loyal they are and, and how they always stick with their team, no matter if they are 11-5 and five, like this year or if they're 0-16 like a few years ago. They've been through a lot, that fan base. Yeah, but, I mean, Kansas City is just going to be too much for the Browns. Yeah, I think their Cinderella season ends here. Yeah. Tyler? Fucking Browns, baby. <laughs> it's almost like someone predicted that win. It's almost like someone on the show picked them to win that game. Oh, yeah, you did. The Browns, man, that, that was that was so beautiful to watch. I mean, that was the only sort of joy I got out of watch after watching the Seahawks <laughs> lose. It was just, I'm so happy for Baker. Real quick, I was, I just want to add, we just got over, you know, Gugu and Gaga and over Josh, Josh Allen and how, you know, he's like had this coming out season and he's just, MVP candidate, and then we got Lamar Jackson's won an MVP. And these are the guys that Baker was drafted with. Both those guys have had the same coach every year. They've been in the league. Baker, new coach every year. I say it all the time, but this is something that's worth mentioning. The man is still in the same spot. He's still standing when those two guys are standing. Um, and, he, and he's had a, and he's faced the most adversity. That's why, you know, last week I had my hot take. Uh, way too early predictions. Baker's my MVP next year because I can't wait to see what this kid can do uh, when he has some stability at the coaching and play calling level. He doesn't have to learn an offense um, and and run it at the same time. He's going to know it. Uh, and it's going to be be able to, you know, expand and do more things. So I, I'm just so stoked for Baker um, and the Browns in general. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously they have to – they're, like you said, they'd have to duplicate what they can do uh, against Kansas City to win. But I think that this is a game for the future where you got to fight the whole game, even if you're down. Uh, because I think the Browns are real. They're one of the few threats to Kansas City moving forward, like Buffalo is, um, because they have such a dominant run game and they have a good quarterback. And it seems like they've found their, their, their coach. Um, they have a good defense. They are, they're like they're building towards you know getting to Kansas City. So yeah, uh, ultimately I do think Kansas City is going to win. But you better believe I'm 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 rooting for the Browns to get that huge, huge dub. Yeah, hey, I'm going to be rooting right there with you for the Browns this weekend against Kansas City, just because I want to see the underdog upset the number one seed in this scenario. But. It's just, I mean, ultimately, we got to be realistic I'd, here. Yeah, I'd love to see it, but uh, yeah. we all have expectations. <laughs> yeah. 
just way, man. I mean, he, they won without a, a damn head coach. I think Baker Baker's in the zone, and and I'm excited. No, he's 100 percent ready to prove people wrong, and he he did just that this year, and he he'll be ready to to do a repeat of it next year. Yep. So um, yeah, uh, I, that that's definitely going to be that's the, the Sunday games are going to be be awesome i mean those, those are big time headline type stuff definitely definitely i mean this the the nfl playoffs this year they're they're shaking out to be really really exciting always do man always always do it's a, when it's a one loss knockout scenario she gets crazy because the big dogs can go down you know any given sunday any given sunday all right uh you guys got a shout out before we get out of here yeah, uh, I got a shout out, shout out, Schottenheimer. He was our uh, OC the last couple of years in Seahawks. We just let him go. Uh, I think it was just kind of a scapegoat move. I mean, I, I think we did have to make a move, but uh, you know, I hate to see a guy that I thought was a capable, a capable play caller, um, lose because of a basically because the playoffs, the Rams basically got homeboy fired. So. Uh, shout out to him. He, he gave us some good years. Yeah. And then uh, I just wanted to say rest in peace to former Dodgers manager and Dodgers ambassador Tommy Lasorda. He he was a member of the Dodgers organization for 71 years. So it's it's pretty crazy. He was a, a two-time World Series champion manager uh, in 1981 and 1988. He was the NL Manager of the Year in 83 and 88. He was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1997. He won an Olympic gold medal as the manager of the Team USA uh, for the 2000 Sydney Australia Games. Um, I personally got to meet him uh, one time randomly at a Chick-fil-A in Orange County. Uh, after visiting my grandma who was in the hospital at the time uh just a really random encounter but he was gracious enough to take a picture with me when i asked um and i mean if you just everybody's got a story about tommy he is hilarious he was loud boisterous uh he was unfiltered um and he he was just he was an icon here here in Los Angeles, and it's it's kind of crazy how 2020 started with losing an icon like Kobe Bryant, and then 2021 starts with losing uh, an icon like Tommy Lasorda. So uh, I mean, condolences to the Lasorda family, the Dodgers organization. I mean, there nobody bled blue more than than tommy lasorda so he he will be sorely sorely missed uh at dodger stadium and uh all all throughout los angeles uh it was a it was a sad morning uh last friday morning when the news was announced so uh yeah rest in peace tommy lasorda so with that that wraps up this episode of the sports kingdom show Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. 
Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.